0: We train and we train and we train. Well, in order to train, you have to have people who are smarter than you are, who are experts in areas that you're not an expert in. And you have to acknowledge that you're willing to hire those people. And so I think, again, going back to really what has made us a little bit more successful than most, is that we look for talent. And whether we're hiring somebody or looking for somebody now or later, if somebody's talented, We're going to hire them, and we'll find a place to put them or her if they're talented. But if they're not, um, you know, if we're if we're not looking for these people, uh, we're never going to get bigger. We're never going to get better. So as a result of that, you know, I think that that's what allows us to grow. This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. Hey,
1: everybody, Brian here. Quick apology. The audio quality on this recording is not good. I tried a new platform for recording the podcast, and... It was basically a fail. I apologize, but listen to the content. It is amazing. Let's get to it. Okay, everybody. I had to turn on the recording because Scott was saying good stuff. This is Brian cascavalsian with G4 Marketing Group, and this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Welcome to another episode. I have back with me again, Scott Berman from Florida Window and Door. Scott, welcome back. Thank you for Thank you. being here with me. What were you just saying? I said the world's coming. To the end. <laughs> well, what do you mean by that? I mean, nobody sees it yet, but it's coming. Yeah. And so what are you going to do in your business that's growing so much to counteract the world coming to an end?
0: We are analyzing everything to try and get as good as we can and as efficient as we can and not allow complacency to seep into our organization just because business is so good.
1: Love it. We had that conversation a couple of weeks ago at lunch about complacency. Do you wanna talk a little bit more about that? Cause that was a great conversation. It was really kind of eye-opening for me. And I think it would be really good for the listeners. We did release part of that. I don't know if we're gonna release how we released it or where it went. Cause I had the recording on at the table, and Scott was saying some some pretty good stuff. But maybe tell us again, kind of w- what you're thinking. My
0: thinking is is that listen, the economy's great. Government's giving everybody money. COVID is ending. Mask update—you know, as recently as yesterday was—you don't no longer have to wear masks. So I think people are going back to normal. And in the meantime, if you're in the home improvement industry, you're you're seeing. Tremendous demand. In fact, demand outstrips supply availability at this point. Price increases that are clearly being passed on to from the manufacturer, and we're able to pass it on to the, to the homeowner because demand is so great. And so now what we're seeing is everybody's getting complacent. It's like, oh, don't analyze your business. You know, grow as fast as you can, doesn't matter. And I feel like we've seen this before, not to this extent, but that ultimately companies that are, that are just watching this, thinking they're so great, as opposed to analyzing their business and, and recognizing that maybe it's the environment that's so great, you're really not that good, are gonna be the people who are left behind. And, and I, you know, I'm fearful for what the future is, relative to our industry because i think it's going to happen to more companies than we even think i I really believe it and and so my message to and what we talked about at lunch and what we're trying to practice in, in our management meetings at my organization is look you know let's get better let's not be satisfied and don't become complacent and i and that's what i told you
1: at lunch you
0: know just don't keep
1: improving Yeah. You know what we didn't do is we didn't introduce you and who you are. All we said was the name of your company. Do you want to, are you in your new building, the call center building? No, I'm in my office. Oh, you're in your office. Okay. So where are you today with Florida Window and Door? And then you have an interesting kind of origin story. I might want to go back there for just a minute, but where are you today? In terms of, I'm in uh, Lake Worth, Florida. (laughs) My company is
0: Florida Window and Door. We have offices throughout the state of Florida. We only do impact window and door replacement. We don't do uh, anything with new construction for the most part. And then I have two other window companies, one called Indian River Glass and one called Central Window, also located in Florida, but those were companies that we acquired over the last couple of years. So that's
1: where we are today. Yeah. About how many jobs this year do you think that you guys are gonna complete?
0: Probably 7,000 roughly, 7,500.
1: Big organization. One of the things, by the way, go back and listen to the other episode with Scott. I should have had the number uh, with me, but just uh, we'll put it in the show notes. But Scott has a very, very interesting growth and wealth strategy, and that is that he acquires other window companies, but he only looks at them if he can buy the real estate as well and it's been a good strategy for you right
0: it's been a great strategy and it's a, it's a great way to diversify for those owners who are looking to uh, spread out the risk relative to their investment strategies
1: yeah
0: it's even, and candidly it's even better than what i had anticipated in our first meeting or podcast rather due to some of the tax law changes and depreciation schedules that have passed since that original podcast. Maybe I was unaware of it, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah. Let's go back, just real quick, let's just to give people perspective here. So, you know, you run a big organization now, lots of offices, lots of people, lots of sales, but it wasn't always this way. You started Florida Window and Door back in what year? I think 2011. 2011. And right. at the time, did you have a whole bunch of money to start the business and did you hit the ground running or did it take a little bit? I
0: hit the ground running, but then I hit a wall real quick. I had to start over. So I had, a, I had some capital, didn't do it right. I made a lot of mistakes, got involved with some, not had a partner, got involved with just, it was a bad marriage, so to speak. I literally had to close down and start over. I didn't even know if at that time the business plan would work. I didn't even have a business plan. shouldn't even say that. I didn't even have a business plan. And I was literally the only salesman. And I ran leads seven days a week. I think I ran 700 leads or 800 leads my first year. I think I had 75,000 miles on my car at that time wow. in one year. So, you know, like everybody else, I, I think my, my failures have led to my success. As, as I think that story has been told, you know, by countless entrepreneurs. I'm no different as, as I believe you're in the same situation. I and, I and I think that this is, you know, going back to this concept of complacency, this is the biggest fear because I don't want to go back and I don't want to fail. And I feel like if you're not continually trying to seek improvement, you are going to fail and, and it's going to be worse. The failure will be larger. Now, then obviously when it would be when I first started and, and I'm older, you know, 10 or 12 years older, so it could be even more devastating. So, you know, I think it when you fail, I think it brings an interesting perspective in your life, specifically to those people who don't give up and want to keep going because it's easy to give up. You just go do something else. But ultimately, I think that you never forget about those things. It's like a battle scar. And, you know, it's, it was a not a very proud moment in my life because nobody likes to fail. But, but from a valuable perspective of experience, it was invaluable in terms of how it shapes my decision making today and how I view things from all levels in making decisions. Yeah, And I think that those those things often go unnoticed when people fail.
1: Yeah. And that was just, that, that was a few short years ago. I mean, seven or eight years is not ago. a long time. Yeah, it was 10 years ago. Yeah. It was 10 years ago.
0: Yeah. Many- and listen, I'll be honest with you, I got, I, I mean, I've been lucky in between and I worked hard and I, and, and probably the most credit goes to the fact that I surrounded myself with good people. I've networked in our industry to, to learn as much as I could, which I really didn't understand. I thought I knew a lot before. And then I met a whole different side of the one call close and the, the Grasso and the Yoho and the whole, you know, whole experience level. And I, I, I became an expert. And by becoming an expert and acknowledging that I really didn't know what I was doing, I pay great. I give them a tremendous amount of
1: credit for my ability to be successful. Yeah, that's great. So let's talk let's go back now now that we've got some background and we've got some history and the complacency thing. Um you know one of the things, I I just I'm updating my uh, definitive guide book this book. I originally wrote this in 2013 this is the definitive guide to relationship marketing and the way I started the book out this this version of it the 2021 version of it is that by 2030 within just a few short years just going along with what you said a lot of the companies that are around today are going to be gone they'll be out of business and not by choice just by making you know bad decisions by taking what's going on now and thinking oh this is a new normal making bad decisions based on what's going on today an anomaly in the in the economy and making all business decisions based on, oh, we're going to keep growing at this rate of 50 or 100%. So how does complacency kind of fit into what's going on right now? Like specifics, like what are some of the specific things that you're looking at and that others should be looking at so that they're not vulnerable when things normalize? I mean, personally,
0: I think that the first thing you should look at in regard to complacency, and it may be the wrong word, is have you changed your lifestyle as the owner of your company, relative to the short-term success that your company has had? Whether that's driving a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar Bentley or buying a large boat or, or possibly flying in a private jet, I have no idea. But ultimately, if you're spending that money that should be reinvested in your business, you're in trouble. And and I think you know, look, it's no secret that deposits are a, are a tremendous benefit to companies in the home improvement space. However, those deposits are not your money. And so if you're spending money and using those deposits to, to fund your lifestyle, you can rest assured that, that that's gonna come back to haunt you when things do slow down. You know, to me, I, we're investing and have continued to invest in our company, whether that's software, trucks, things that make us better, consultants to make us more efficient we're spending money to better ourselves not on material items that make me feel better when i walk out to my parking lot and you know I, yet i i see some of my competitors who are driving around in you know expensive cars and they come and pick me up and i'm like hey this is a great car but when it gets repossessed don't come and right. talk to me about going to lunch so i mean i think you know i think you got to be careful in regard to making sure that your business can afford the lifestyle that that you want to lead, and and ultimately, I think right now you may be on. There's many people or companies that are on the edge of th- that transgression, so to speak, and it's a it's a slippery slope. And I mean, you can you can go through a history of our industry, and and I, I saw at a trade show of all the companies that have gone out of business, you know, historically. In the last 10 years. I mean, it's scary. And so my feeling is, is those companies, some of them, you know, went out of business by just bad luck, maybe bad decisions. And some of them went out of business because they thought they were making way more money than they ever were in our business. Because of the customer deposits and because of customer, you know, everybody thinks that, oh, my God, I got all this money in the bank. Let me go spend it. You Shouldn't do that.
1: What you're talking about really is financial discipline. And I know you are a a very, you're disciplined period, but when it comes to the money, you're, you're very disciplined. And I, I, as you were saying, the reinvesting in your business, do you have a, how do you decide how much you can invest? Do you, do you think about it in terms of a percentage of profitability or how do you look at, at that? We, we look at it as a percentage of profitability but we also look at it as
0: as more of a function of can we afford not to do this given what opportunities we want to pursue and so ultimately um it's a combination of both so as an example we were investing in upgrading our software system when the, the week after COVID was you know hit because we figured oh my god what a better time to do it! we have the staff sitting here you know we may as well do it and it turned out that we were lucky we were in florida and and, you know we were never shut down in here you know for the most part
2: and um we were implementing the software system as we were going through an exponential growth and so we went from one extreme to another, thinking, well, God, we don't know what the future is going to be, to, boy, thank God, six months or eight months, whatever it's taking us later to get it implemented. Thank God we did it, because if we didn't do it, we couldn't open gone off. So I think it's a question of really your plans going forward and, and how big you want to get or how much more efficient you want to get or what information you're looking for um, relative to managing your business. I mean, going back to numbers, you know, we're pretty good at numbers because we look at them. Whether they're good or bad, we still look
1: at them. Um, and you understand you know, what the uh, numbers are telling you. You, you
0: have to know. understand what they're run if across, you.
1: Tell. yeah, I run across a lot of owners that don't understand the numbers they're looking at. They think they do. But they don't. I can confirm that the companies that we bought didn't know the numbers. Yeah. And
0: didn't look at them the way we did and and ultimately were unable to run the business in the in the efficiencies or the success levels that we would expect because they didn't understand the numbers. But but my issue is really not understanding the numbers, you know, the people not understanding the numbers. My issue with the people is that they think that they don't go to any resource to try to understand the numbers. whether that's your accountant or pick up the phone to one of your competitors or not maybe not even in the same market there's plenty of people who want to help other people in our business it's not difficult to network i mean you know you and i met i think we've become good friends i know we have and ultimately you're more than willing to help me as i'm more than willing to help you so people are out there you just got to find them right
1: Let's pause here for a quick break. In today's world, getting a five-star review on Google from every single one of your customers is critical. This is something that G4 Marketing Group helps hundreds of home improvement and home services companies with every day. So we put together a free five-star customer experience checklist to help you ensure every one of your customers are getting an experience that will turn them into raving fans. You can get your copy of the customer experience checklist today. Just go to g4marketing.com forward slash C-E-X. The checklist will walk you through 30 points in your customer journey that you can improve today. That way, you'll be able to turn today's customers into tomorrow's leads, sales, and profits. Just go to g4marketing.com forward slash C-E-X. That's G-F-O-U-R marketing.com forward slash C-E-X to get your copy of the checklist today. Then, when you're ready to automate your relationship marketing so that your customers grow your business for you, just give G4 Marketing a call at 305-856-8788, and we'll give you a free demo to show you how your future business profits are hiding in today's customers. Now, let's get back to the episode. So what else in the business? So you talked a little bit about getting your lifestyle too far ahead of your business, right? A lot of people think their businesses are doing a lot better than they are. Um, What are some of the other things that you are looking out for in your business to make sure you come out of this in great shape for the long haul? I think that your friend, I I don't personally
0: know him. Yeah, He he said something that I I listened to his podcast and he said something great. He he said, and I don't want to quote him directly, but I will. And I don't know him, so I apologize. But I was listening to him and he said, you know, when we first started out, we used to say we're really a marketing company that sells home improvement products. And now we've become since we've become larger and more successful. We're really a training organization. And what I found interesting about that was I used to use, not even knowing them, I used to use the same line, which is, like, we're not a we're not a window company, we're a marketing company. We market. Right. And then I'm like, you know what, this guy's 100% right. Like, we're a training organization. So we train and we train and we train. Well, in order to train, you have to have people who are smarter than you are, who are experts in areas that you're not an expert in. And you have to acknowledge you're willing to hire those people and so i think again going back to really what has made us a little bit more successful than most is that we look for talent and whether we're hiring somebody or looking for somebody now or later if somebody's talented we're going to hire them and we'll find a place to put them or her if they're talented but if they're not you know, if we're we're not looking for these people, we're never going to get bigger. We're never going to get better. So as a result of that, you know, I think that that's what allows us to grow. And the other thing is we continue to invest in our people, make them better, better trained, better systems, try to improve the process continuously.
1: And ultimately, if you're able to do that, you'll be more successful. You, you know, I think what's interesting about that whole sales and marketing, we're, sale, we're, a, we're a marketing company that happens to sell this. And I think up to a certain point in in business, to a certain level in this business, you've got to be thinking we're we are a marketing, we're a sales and marketing organization, really get that dialed in. But then there's a shift that happens. And I don't know where that breaking point is, you know, you, you and him both are, are, going over a hundred million in in revenue. I'm not sure when that changes, but I think when you were smaller, you were really focused on the marketing side of it and really putting a good marketing and sales system in place, right? It's a great analogy. I don't know what that number is.
0: I do know that if if you're, the quicker you're able to put the systems in place, the quicker you're able to grow and leverage all the intellectual capacity that you have because you've put that system in place. Truthfully, we put the system in place too late. I'd, I'd be $100 million ahead of where I am now if, if I had it five or seven years ago. Yeah. But you just don't know. What I do know is you need the system. And if you don't have the system and you don't have the culture, you can't create the culture without the system and you and you can't share your goals without the system or the culture so it's like you know it's a it's a it's a multi-faceted solution but i think again it goes back to hiring smarter people because they help you implement systems that you just have no idea trying to survive being in business and just paying your bills there's a big difference between the two. yeah and and you know unfortunately one of the things that I think everybody, I would assume everybody would say is, it was it was fun, it was a different business and more fun when you were smaller, because you could make decisions quickly and you could, and, and it was bootstrapped, but it was fun. This is more of you're running an enterprise and you're more financially stable, but some of the decisions that you make are, are more difficult to change the direction of your company or the culture of your company because there's just so many people involved in so many processes and so many different offices, and it's hard. And, you know, then you couple that with COVID and, and lack of being able to go to offices or talk to your people directly, you know, and that's a whole different conversation, but ultimately another challenge. So I think it's also, you know, it's just a question of what you're looking for. But hire smarter people. Like, don't be embarrassed. And make your managers hire smarter people than them.
1: Yeah. That's the other amazing advice. Now, so that opens up a couple of other questions. And one is everybody's having trouble finding people now. So I don't know if you could speak to that a little bit, but also if you're, when you're smaller and you find that good talented person and your initial reaction is, oh my God, I can't afford this person because you may not have the cash flow to support that person. And I'm sure that you had a point where you had to make that decision. So can you, so I know there's two d- different things there around people, but could you talk to how are you dealing with finding the people? And then after that, how, how did you deal with it at first when it was just you, or it was you and a few people and you were a smaller company and it's like, how do I afford to, how do I pay for this person? So, the first question is, is easier to answer.
0: And that is, how do you find people? You gotta keep looking. So even if you're not looking, you gotta keep interviewing. And even if, you're, if you find some people that you like, the worst time to hire somebody is when you need somebody. Yeah. The best time to hire somebody is when you think you can improve in a department, but you still have that person in the department, even though you're not happy. Always look for constant improvement and interview. The other thing is, I, w- I would suggest, and, and you know we are a big proponent of this. Is I would profile every person that you interview, find you know the, the appropriate test that matches your organization and profile them. So this way you know what you're getting. So you, you increase the likelihood that that person is going to be a success and ultimately is going to stay with you hopefully longer than what somebody as you just met. Look, everybody who interviews wants that person to work out, and, and when I was smaller. I was certainly guilty of looking for that one person who I thought was like the uh, the bullet, the silver right. bullet, the to direct everything. Well, I right. I got news for you; those people don't exist. No. You can't do it. They can't do it. So my answer to that is continually interview. And and what you'll find is if you continually interview, you will grow
1: exponentially quicker. And even though you may not want to grow, you'll still. I'm it. not sure if you want to. Um, I'm not sure if you want to share this or not. But what are some of the things you guys are doing now? in this environment? Everybody I talk to is looking for people, everybody. We're doing what everybody else does,
0: except we're doing it consistently. So we're, we're on Indeed, we're on ZipRecruiter, we got signs out, we got signs on our vehicles, we're paying referral fees, we're on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn, we're on everywhere everybody else would be, but we're doing it every day. And, and what's amazing in our industry is, You know, take an installer, which is clearly a difficult thing to find. You're going to find installers because inevitably somebody in your marketplace didn't pay the installer or the installer felt like he was taken advantage of. But if you're looking on on one week and you're not looking on the second week, you may miss that guy. So you got to be out there and it costs you money to be out there, but you'll get the people. The other thing I would suggest is don't hire from our industry. Go out and train people. So you, if you look only for people in our industry, you're looking for a very small pool through a very small pool of people. If you look for people outside of our industry, all of a sudden it gets exponentially wider. And if you look outside even further, exponentially wider, but you gotta be willing and able to take the time and train. And so our, our goal ultimately is, it may take us longer to hire, to hire and train somebody than somebody with experience, but we're also we're also under the advantage that then we're not inheriting somebody with bad habits, which is significant. So how many to, how many companies have you heard of where a salesman where they interviewed a salesman from their competitor and the guy says, Well listen or girl said, Look, I hired I did three million dollars over there and you and you take that three million, you're like, okay, I'm gonna take their three million and put it into my sales volume of three million. Wow. Look how much better I, I am, except for the fact that that person never sells three right. million. <laughs> he sells a million, right. and he comes with all the headaches. Right. What are and you bad habits? For? And bad habits. Train. them. Yeah. Find somebody outside of the industry and train. It's a blank canvas. Are you doing that with installers uh, I, too? We're doing it with every every position we can find. We're doing because we because you're you're dealing in a pool that doesn't exist. Yeah. You're swimming without water, so you have no choice. So that's the first thing. In terms, of the, in terms of paying people that you can't afford to get, I think you can always afford to find to pay good people. I think the issue is, is you've got to be creative in the way you structure your comp plans so that you, your success mirrors their success. So as the company grows or the company becomes more profitable or whatever the case may be, you start to compensate those people accordingly and and i think it you know our industry is notorious for not paying people properly and i think that you know the bigger companies are paying people more and it's and, and benefits are a huge deal these days 401k paid vacation maternity leave you got to be competitive i mean yeah. look they're paying 15 at mcdonald's you can't expect your call center to work for 11 an hour you, you just can't so you know, when we were a smaller company, we didn't have benefits. Now we have benefits. Um, and, and what's happened is we've seen turnover go down because people value benefits. What's it worth? I don't have an answer to that, but I, I would suggest that, you know, it reduces turnover probably by 30 to 40 percent. And they're not cheap, but I, I think it's a it's a necessary evil in today's climate. Yeah. But my my. My biggest answer to you is hire when you don't need people and continually interview. Yeah. And it's a pain and it takes a lot of time,
1: but it's worth it. It's worth and it. And isn't there also, It doesn't this also come down to your pricing strategy as well? Because if you're if you're increasing your overhead, especially at a smaller company, when you're increasing your overhead, don't you have to pay for that some way, somehow? And doesn't it come out of the customer? So... I think you and I
0: had this conversation, actually, if I recall. My, my belief is, is that we are in such a great industry because you can't go on Amazon and price shop, right? So your price is really what you believe it's worth to the end user. And what, what people don't recognize in regard to pricing is the cheaper you are, the less mistakes you can make and the more efficient you have to be. So effectively, if you're really cheap in this in this climate, how are you going to hire an installer against me who's very expensive? You're not, because I'm going to pay that guy twenty five dollars more a window, uh, or give him benefits,
2: and you're going to give him nothing, and you're going to try to save money or take it out of your market, which means you can't advertise, which means you can't pay your sales more money, you can't get the manager, you can't get the supervisor, you can't get the truck, etc. etc. So it all starts with price and, and the, and, and the margins, where you need to be and it. And, and once you figure that out, you're not going to win on job. And, and you know, again, like, what is amazing to me is like, if you look at a lot of companies price structure, it's all price based, on
0: perfection. Like, oh my God, this job is going to be 100% like no problem. Yeah. No, no, no service, call, no, no service, yeah. no warranty claim no damage, nothing. And inevitably, it never works that way. I mean, you're dealing with a house that's, you know, 50, 60, 30 years old with with a woman or a couple who thinks that their curtains are like brand new, even though they they don't work. And then you rip one and then now all of a sudden you're out 500 bucks. How do you, you can't fix that with bad pricing? on top of all the other issues that you have. So my answer to you is raise prices because when it doesn't affect your performance. It won't affect your sales. You're still going to close three out of 10 or whatever that number is for your organization. And the only people telling you not to raise prices are your sales. That's the bottom line. And you know what? They'll get over it. Yeah. Too. They'll get over it. Too. So it starts there. I mean, there's no
1: question. And, and candidly, it took me a long time to learn that. Yeah. It really is a long time. Well, it's interesting. I've never heard it put that way, but you're absolutely right. The cheapest price has to be the most efficient, and they have to do the job perfect. I've never heard it put that way, and it's absolutely right. You can't afford to make a single misstep, mistake, bad measure, nothing, nothing. There's no room. Not only that, but imagine in this environment where
0: your manufacturers are backed up in some cases 6 months whatever whatever it is and and so your customers upset and you go to offer them a discount because it's not even your fault you go to offer them a discount chances are your unless you're a large company your manufacturer is not absorbing that discount it's coming out of your pocket so now all of a sudden you're you're giving that customer a discount when already you mispriced the job to begin with where's that money? Like that money just went away from your manager that you were going to hire or your recruiting ad that you were going to run or whatever. I mean, or your installer. So it's, it's critically important. And, and I think that, you know, everybody's profit margin should be different or, or probably are different, but I can tell you that if you're not priced correctly, you can't grow. You can't, Harvest talent. You can't hire. You can't retain people. You can't provide them benefits. You can't do anything. And and unfortunately, a lot of your employees and specifically salesmen will never understand that. But that's why you're in your seat and they're in theirs. And and you got to make that decision on on what you want to make and how you want to grow. Yeah. But, but you can't do it out of cash flow. That that's not realistic.
1: Yeah. Out of deposits. Out of deposits. Right. Can't do it out of the box. Yeah. So I, I know this is this is a loaded question. I'm looking at the clock. What do you kind of see the rest of the year looking like? In terms of does this increase in business keep going? Supply chain issues, labor issues. What do you what do you kind of see happening? It's a great question. I think
0: what you're going to see is. You're going to see some leveling off of demand due to people going back to their normal course of life. I I I do believe that people have changed their consumption methods, and I think people will still gravitate towards their house. I just I think it's going to be a long adjustment. I think the biggest challenge that we face is uh, manufacturing capacity, and I think that you know some of our manufacturers have you know. 350 million dollar backlogs like I don't I don't even know how they're catching up and, and in Florida as you know we're, we're just entering hurricane season like two weeks away if a hurricane comes to Florida or anywhere on the east coast you could be looking your windows in my projection out two to three years wow I mean I just have no idea what this looks like uh, you know I think so I think business is going to continue to be strong for the next for the remaining part of the year but I think the supply chains that we have, just like in every other industry, is going to be maxed out. On the people side, I mean, I think it's always going to be a challenge to get people. I think, you know, I don't want to get into politics, but on a personal level, I think the extended unemployment benefits. both Federal and state are not
2: helpful to business owners. I think that's going to contribute until apparently the end of September. From what I understand if not sooner the states uh, roll it back. It's going to be a challenge to hire people. Um, but I think it's always a challenge to hire people. This is just going to be exponentially harder, which goes back to pricing. Um, but there's no, in my opinion, and in our projections, no reason to believe that business is going to fall off the cliff. But I also don't think it's going to be as good or as easy as it has been for the last 14 or 15 months. And I think you have to plan accordingly. Uh, and, and you know, build
1: smart, build variable, and build smart. Love it. Well, my friend, thank you. I appreciate always you fun. as always uh, taking the time to talk with us. You know, you don't like, you know, I think it embarrasses you when I say it, but you really are one of the smartest people I know in the industry. You're also one of the nicest. So, If you see, uh, well, that's what you you. think. I don't let you think that, but um, look, you know, to anybody that's out there, if you see Scott at an event and hopefully you, you, you will maybe at some point go up to him. He's a nice guy. Talk to him, ask him questions. (laughs) I'm giving you work. I'm I'm making work for you, but you know, like he was saying before, you know, there's people out there that want to help that are willing to help. I would just say this and I'll speak for you, but I think you and I think the same, is if you do ask someone like Scott for advice and you take his time and he gives you good advice, go do what he says, report back to him and say, hey, I did what you said and here's what happened. Now, what do I do next? Don't go back and ask him the same question again and say, well, now what? And have him repeat himself. And I think that that will get you a lot more good advice than than anything else. So, any last words? We started off. We started off with me capturing you saying that the world is coming to an end. <laughs> How do you want to wrap up? Well, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> Good. You know, if
0: things continue the way they're going, I don't know. It's it, this is just, you know, it's frightening because I look at it. I remember my grandparents saying, "Oh my God, you're inheriting this world. I feel terrible for you. The world we're leaving you, and yet we survived." And I feel like I'm my grandparents. Yeah. But it's the the news and the and what's going on is just it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what to say. I just just enjoy the ride
1: and survive. That's all you, it's can, all do. you can do. And, and, and That's all you can do. And 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 try and build as much wealth as you can because you you yes. don't know what's gonna happen over the next few years. You, correct. You don't know. And and you know,
0: don't just save some money. That's all I can tell you. Save some money for opportunities if nothing yeah. else.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Scott. I'm going to do a plug for my book. Scott was for those of you that are watching this on YouTube. You always see a shot of my office. And and Scott asked me, "Do you read all those books?" And I told him, "I I, I got to read these books just so I can have intelligent conversations with people like him." And he said that he read my book and he actually like actually like liked it. So I'm going to do a plug. Not liked it. I loved it. I thought it was yeah, great. Thank you. So if you haven't got a copy, what are you waiting for? Go to thewealthycontractor.com and get your copy of The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor. You know the drill. I buy the book. You just pay shipping and handling. And and it, even that's guaranteed. So if you don't like the book, just tell me and I'll even refund you your shipping and handling money. I don't think that the deal gets any any better than that amazing. All right. So again, Scott, thank you. Appreciate you. And to everybody listening until next time, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing Group, and this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a different way? Did it spark an idea or ideas that you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. If it did, I'd like to ask you a favor. Would you leave a five-star review of the podcast? By doing so, you'll help other contractors find the podcast more easily so that we can help them achieve more success, wealth, and freedom. And before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. In fact, if you haven't already, make sure you go to thewealthycontractor.com and get your free copy of my latest book, The 7 Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor. Just pay shipping and handling, and I'll take care of the cost of the book. And finally, a big thanks to G4 Marketing for sponsoring the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. For over 12 years now, G4 Marketing has been the secret back-office relationship marketing team for hundreds of home improvement and home service businesses just like yours. You get the customer, and our proven system turns that customer into five-star reviews and profitable repeat and referral business. If your home improvement or home services company completes at least 10 jobs per month, they have a solution that will work for you. To find out more, sign up for your free no obligation, 10-minute discovery call at www.g4marketing.com forward slash strategy. That's G-F-O-U-R marketing.com slash strategy. Set your discovery call up today and they'll help you set your business up for long-term profits and success. So until next time, this is Brian Caskovals here.